The Biscuit is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. It is time to listen to the Biscuit Podcast. It's so delicious. It is full of interviews with Charlotte leaders, makers, and doers. There is so much creative stuff in this town. Hope you're hungry. It's biscuit time. So much more than beaches and mountains so close. Biscuit time. We have banks, but there is a whole lot more here. Please be hungry. It's biscuit time. Pull a seat up beside our fair queen. It is biscuit time. Well, after that uh, rousing and extraordinarily retro new theme song, you are either ravenous to take a bite out of this biscuit podcast or... You have already stopped listening. Either way, I am Tim Miner, and I'd like to welcome you to the October 17th, 2019 batch of the Biscuit Podcast. And this biscuit is chock full of goodness. We start with a conversation that Matt and I had with Taiwo Jayoba, who is the city planner and newly minted assistant city manager. Uh, we sat down with Ty after he addressed 400 Charlotteans at the October meeting of Creative Mornings at Ovens Auditorium. And we get into his plans for the city, why he thinks Charlotte is a special place, his thoughts on fatherhood, and, and a little bit about his journey from Nigeria to the Queen City. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, please dive in. Please take a, a second out of your day and listen to Ty. Um, one of the reasons that Matt and I selected him to speak at Creative Mornings and then uh, really speak on this podcast is not just that he's involved with planning the next stages of Charlotte's development, but because he's just an awesome guy. Um, you know, I think all of us have preconceived ideas as to what our city leaders are like, what city employees are like, and the reality is Ty is a passionate, funny, engaging very caring guy who leads a team of people who feel likewise. And we might not always love the ideas and the plans that they come up with, but it's it's a great idea to kind of peek around the corner and get a sense of the type of people, the character of the people that are building the future of Charlotte. Ty is one of them. It is well worth your time to listen to what he has to say. Um, in addition to that, uh, Andy Go, our amazing producer, was on site at Creative Mornings to ask attendees, what scares you in Charlotte? Uh, and that might be a little tip of the hat to Halloween, but it's also just a, a current snapshot about how people are feeling about Charlotte and some anxieties they may have. And then Andy takes us on a travelogue through his experiences at a festival-filled weekend uptown uh, through both his time at the Taste of India Festival and the Ola Charlotte Festival. Both were lively, and Andy kind of walked around introducing himself to the people that made those great events. So check that out. I think you will really enjoy seeing that festival through his eyes or through his words. But enough about what we have to say. What do you think? We want to hear from you, whether it's giving us your transfer tale, right? Your story of how you got to Charlotte, what you thought when you got here, and what you're thinking today about the Queen City and what advice you would give newcomers about how to get involved and find their place here in Charlotte. Or whether you want to share your thoughts on the proposed sales tax increase of a quarter percent for arts, parks, and education that's coming up. Uh, obviously, Matt and I at The Biscuit are for any endeavor that is going to 
bolster and fund the arts, not just because of the impact it makes on quality of life, but because of the jobs and the livelihoods that are created. Um, in a business town, it's often easy to forget that not everybody wears a tie. Not everybody works for a bank. Not everybody goes and does a nine to five. So many people find their place in Charlotte or pull themselves up or create their section of the American dream through the arts, through creativity, through innovation. And although nobody loves paying more taxes, this tax is going to make that an even more vital, sustainable, and active part of our life here in Charlotte. That said, that's our opinion. What's yours? Are you for it? Are you against it? We want to hear both sides. And at the end of the day, our biggest concern is that you vote. We're not going to tell you how to vote. We're going to tell you what we think. But we want you to show up in November and cast your ballot for that and for all the other measures that are up there. So how do you do that? How do you share your opinion? Please drop us a line at hello at charlotteiscreative.com. That's hello at charlotteiscreative.com. Share your candid thoughts. We may put them here on the uh, Biscuit Podcast or in our Tuesday and Thursday e-newsletter edition. All right. We are rounding the corner. It's almost time to talk to Ty, but I have to thank our incredible sponsors, Crescent Communities, Ortho Carolina, and Four Eyes Productions, and also say that the Biscuit Podcast is a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network. And none of this is possible without our incredible producer, Andy Goh, and the awesome music from Harvey Cummings. All right, Andy, I think we've heard from me enough. Let's get going. Hey guys, it's Tim Miner, and uh, I'm here on a creative morning. It's October the 11th, sitting in the upper deck uh, at Ovens Auditorium with Matt Olin, my creative uh, collaborator and co-conspirator, I think is the word that we like to use. Um, and our speaker, Taiwo Jayoba, who is the city planner and newly minted assistant city manager. I mean, a, a double threat guy. I know, it's Ty, amazing, isn't it? Um, who just... <laughs> addressed an audience of 400 people sitting on the stage of ovens uh kind of flipping perspectives and talking about the notion of flow uh, and and about how things flow through our lives and and we thought it was important to tie to put you on the stage so people understood who are the folks who are the individuals that work hard i mean matt and i in our in our work have the privilege of of knowing a lot of the planning staff members um and we know what how incredibly passionate they are and how much of themselves they put into their work and we wanted to share that with people so thank you for doing that thank today. you thank you team so you know as we normally do with our creative mornings speakers we like to uh sit down with them pretty much immediately after the event sort of basking in the glow of the creative energy you stirred up uh, on that stage in there and really giving them some new perspectives on this work that you and your team do for our city. That's why we sat on the stage facing the audience chamber. I think a lot of the people in that audience um, have been in Ovens Auditorium, this beautiful sort of mid-century marvel, many, many times, but have never seen it from that perspective. And I'm sure that you probably have to bring that new lens to a lot of the work that you do. But before we go there, let's dive in here with question number one. Taiwo, how do you remain so positive? That's great. First of all, wake up in the morning, my wife and I, we get together with the girls before they go to school, we pray. Um, and that's very important to us. And so that really sets your day on a very different uh, level. And then I have these um, inspiring words I listen to, um, usually on my way to work. Today, 
is a new day. It will bring many blessings, but it will also bring challenges. But with every challenge, you can handle it. You have faith. It drives away the fear. So positive words like that, regardless of what the day looks like, usually encourages. And, and then you see, when I'm coming in, I see challenges coming into work. Like, why is this parking structure like this? What were we thinking? Um, why is this done this way? But then almost immediately you see another one that we got right. And that's, okay, all right. We got yeah. one right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I love I love this idea of these positive affirmations yeah. that, that you've in, in, integrated those into your life and your yeah. family life. It was funny. I was out to uh, uh, with my family at a Chinese restaurant the other day. And, and of course, at the end, they brought us all Chinese uh, fortune cookies. And my daughter opened hers up, and I said, well, what does it say? And she read it and said, with your words, you create your world. Mm. And it sounds very, yeah. very much that. like what you're talking yeah. about. Yes, we do, because it's, for us, very important. Uh, because words can destroy and words can, can build up, right? So we try to select the words that we say. But I also, obviously, when you go through the the challenges of the day though sometimes you forget all those things you did in the morning and you just kind of start going with the flow of getting mad and all of that so when i get to work i have a whiteboard and i would typically write one word on that whiteboard and it could be purpose it could be driven um, just one word that will it could be courage or bold and so during the day i look at that and kind of you know, and then you surround yourself with a good team. I have, you, you say you've met some of our staff. They're really passionate. I mean, even when you are feeling dry and you fist bump with one of them or you just talk to one of them, you feel, you know, the energy again. So it's really about people you surround yourself with as well. I think um, when, we, when we came up to meet you, what, about six, six seven months ago? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you hold the record now as the the shortest amount of time between us meeting someone <laughs> and then inviting them to be a creative morning speaker. So I hope I didn't disappoint. No, no, quite. <laughs> no, you, you exceeded our expectations, okay, and they were high. You. They were very high. But normally we ruminate on it. We think about it for a while. People are, we're vetting them in our heads whether they know we were ever going to ask them to be a speaker or not. And we went into your office um, not exactly knowing how the conversation was going to go. And I think it was about five minutes. And we were like, hey, would you like to speak in Creative Mornings? Uh, you just, you have this aura about you. And just, Thank again, you. it's that positivity, but but it's one that draws people in and makes you want to put your, you know, wants to put your back at the at the plow, right? Yeah, wants to get, get your hands involved because yeah. the work that you're doing with Rachel and the whole team yeah. um, is going to take a lot of opinions, a lot of minds, a lot of hands mm -hmm. to get it to get it going yeah. um and so it was just you didn't disappoint i do have to ask what did you do to prepare for the for your talk so today? um yeah very interesting so we met again like a few weeks ago we started talking but prior to our meeting rachel and i sat down we actually went to panera bread and i said okay you're gonna be the one thinking through this for me here is my idea for what i want to talk about and she's pretty big on equity uh, and, and uh, you know, understanding also because Rachel's um, mom is American, dad is um, Japanese, right? And then she's been to South Africa a number of times. So we have places where we, we connect there. And so I said, here's my idea. I want to talk about my personal story, but I want to link it to planning and the work that we're doing in equity. What do you think? Now, 
Rachel is very interesting because when I told her we were going to do that, she already had these notes in a small journal. And she was saying, well, I was writing all these things down. And um, so she typed them and sent them out to me. So we kind of started going through some of these. And I got home. Um, after I prepared this slide, I said to my wife, here's what I want to share tomorrow, um, you know, um, I think it's what I want to share next week. And then she kind of went through the slide with me, pictures. And then after I had my words typed out, she went through them again. Of course, she's very picky. Okay. Oh, you didn't spell this well. You missed this word. <laughs> so that's why that's why someone's life partner is so yeah, important. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Matt and I understand how that works, but they, but it but it makes it better. Yeah. But I for this, because again, I have to say it's it's an audience that I'm not used to speaking to on a regular basis. It's not elected officials, even though we had Larkin, Councilmember Augustine in the room. Uh, but I'm typically used to either speaking to neighborhood groups or advocacy groups or developers or elected officials or planning commissioners. You've got to infuse a lot of these regulations, policies, speak into your language. So whenever I have to speak to a group like this, I have to get out of that. Uh, and really, how do you distill your words into words that touch me? So sharing my personal stories usually help me a lot. So preparing wasn't as difficult, especially when you have the right people who can review what you you know, you want to share about. And then when you're talking about your personal story, there's only so many lies you can tell, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it depends on who's telling the story. Um, I do, uh, before we go any further, I do need to, to, we need to clarify. So we've name dropped Rachel like yes. eight times. So yes. we're talking about Rachel Stark. Rachel Stark, Who works yes. with you and is a, is a friend of Matt yes. and mine and, and just a dynamic, she's the kind of person that if, if you know her and you know what she does and how hard she works for the city, yes. you sleep a little bit better at it's night. It's amazing, yeah. She's an urban designer. She puts a passion. And that's just one of many of them who do that, too. And so imagine being surrounded by multiple Rachels, right? Uh, Rachel Stark in the office. So they, it's just these guys who are really knowledgeable but had passion to their knowledge. You know, um, when folks were arriving here this morning, I don't know if they knew exactly what to expect. Um, I think a lot of people have been to Ovens Auditorium. So when they, it was really interesting to sort of observe them as they walked into the audience chamber, they started sitting in the normal seats, it, despite the fact that there were a ton of yeah, seats true, set on up the on this. And we had to start going around and saying, no, 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 no. We're sitting on the stage this morning. There, were, there was there was one couple that I was like, no, we're sitting on the stage today. And they looked at me, and I started to sit up, and I sat back down. I'm like, no, I'm serious. <laughs> and I did it again, and I was like, okay, this is actually my event, so I'm telling you now, please go on the stage. But, I mean, people get in their patterns. They get in their patterns, and, and first impressions are really, really interesting. So, so I want to ask you this about first impressions. What were your initial impressions of the United States when you first arrived? So um, I, my first visit to the United States, I was about 11 years old. And my dad was studying um, in Connecticut. And we had visited him in Newark, New Jersey. Um, we had a great time. But towards the end of the visit, he was robbed at gunpoint. Really? Yeah. So, and I was there. And you were I, there. You saw this I happen. I saw it. I mean, and I was scared. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm coming back to this country ever again. Can we go home now? What and a terrible so, first impression. <laughs> so it's horrible. At gunpoint. And so, but we left a few days later. 
And then never came back to the U.S., but my dad was constantly coming because as a professor, obviously, he had colleagues here, yeah, did a lot of research together, uh, conference presentations and all. But then I eventually got the opportunity to come back to the U.S. By then, my friend and his wife were living in New Jersey, so I visited them in the same New Jersey where this happened, it was a totally different experience. Um, you know, we're able to drive around and all of that, and then eventually got this opportunity to go to California. And I made a commitment to myself then that I will live here for five years, and after living here for five years, then I will go back to Africa. But, you know, of course, you have your second child, and then this is home now. And so we, by the time I turned five years in the United States, I decided I was going to get my citizenship. So I wanted to be able to have a hand in electing leaders. I wanted to have a voice in the community, whether you're electing somebody who will serve on the energy board or somebody who will serve on the school board. And so my impression changed from when I was 11 to now when I came and I started working, I realized that this is one country where you actually have the opportunity to influence change as an individual. So I, as a planner, I mean, I will be reviewing development projects and I'm thinking, wow, the planning commission actually takes my recommendations serious. The council takes my recommendations serious. So I didn't have that when I was growing up. Um, it was some leaders who will make decisions for you from the top down, not necessarily from the down up. Now, over time, I've seen things started to change, of course, um, in how we do things. But I think my first impression when I now came in 1996 um, is still the same, is that this is one country in the world that's no other like America. Look at me. It's come from Nigeria with my accent. I think I think it's more American now, my accent. It's a touch more American. <laughs> How's your y'all? How's your y'all these days? Yo. Hey, uh. yeah, it's, all right, we can work on that. <laughs> we'll work a little bit more on that. Okay. So I think I think my pers my impression is still the same. The, there's no other nation like America. And I think it's giving me such a great opportunity now where I'm actually talking about how can we change the trajectory of our future to make sure that people who come behind me, my, our children, their children, immigrants who come in here, they can also find success in the United States, just like I did. I don't think you, any other country can say the same thing. Like well, that. you mentioned that word opportunity a number of times, mm -hmm. and you mentioned it was a key word, mm -hmm. a, a pivotal word in your talk to yes. the Creative Mornings audience this morning. Clearly, that word opportunity and the words that are, are related to it and equity and yes. accessibility and yep. sustainability and all these things are, are, are related. And it's part of the big conversation happening in Charlotte, no doubt part of the work that you're doing at the city, of course. Um, so, so how about Charlotte? I mean, what did you think when you got here and, and how, does, how has that changed over mm -hmm. time? Great. So when I first got here in 2015, May, the first thing, I've been to Charlotte a few times before, but visiting Charlotte and living in Charlotte are two totally different things. You know, you visit Charlotte, you go uptown and you say, wow, what a beautiful city. It's neat. And that's the impression that you get. Um, when I came here in 2015, that impression stayed. Our uptown is one of the most beautiful uptowns or downtowns anywhere, um, whether during the day or at nighttime. My wife will tell you a story of one day we were going to the Blumenthal and then driving in, and I was so 
amazed and impressed by the view of Opta I nearly ran a red light. I mean, <laughs> I was so, so lost in thought. I'm looking at this. I mean, I, but then as you live here, you see a tree canopy. Oh, my gosh. You don't see that everywhere. It's, sh it's the shady lady. It, it, it's awesome. I mean, yeah. it, I know. I mean, I don't know if I will call it that. But <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it called the shady lady. He's been trying to make that happen for several years. Thank you. Officially, the city of Charlotte says the shady lady is not a thing. It's been shut down. It's been shut down. I mean, and then the neighborhoods. I mean, we're ringed around the neighborhoods. My, and I, so I came here and I thought, I've lived in Atlanta, I've lived in Sacramento, I've lived in Grand Rapids. There exists an opportunity for us, a moment in time where Charlotte is like that clay, kind of like a wet clay, yeah. and we can begin to shape it mm -hmm. so that we can learn from the failures of others and yet mirror some of the successes of other places. How can we make sure that we don't have the type of traffic that kicks people out of other communities and yet continue to be that? multi-generational community where anyone from different ages and sizes and seasons of life can live. Any any growing city like Charlotte, one of the fastest growing cities in the yes. country, is going to have challenges. It's going to mm -hmm. have a host of challenges. Yes. Um, what would you say are the biggest challenges, maybe two of the biggest challenges that, that Charlotte has right now and, and perhaps maybe the two biggest opportunities we have right I now? I truly too? believe that our fast pace of development, if we're not careful, will leave people behind. Uh, and so I have to keep saying that while I, I love the fact that we're developing because we're the fifth fastest growing city of our size in the country, uh, we just have to make sure that we grow in a very smart way that it doesn't leave people behind. Hence the reason why I keep saying equity is very important. Not only should we treat people who are coming here well, but people who have lived here all their lives, Charlotteans, should never have to feel the pressure of you know growth. Uh, unnecessarily. So that's one. And then, of course, as you talk about that, is housing affordability. Um, while I know that it's awful in some other places like Chicago or New York or LA, we are at that point where if we don't do something, it could really become worse for us. So um, we, we need to address that very well. Obviously, transportation or traffic um, and it's not necessarily volume of traffic, but how we design our roadways in such a way that it doesn't put pressure on neighborhoods, but also connects with public transit so that people can either drive to the nearest transit station or even walk there. So those are the challenges I see. But as I'm talking about those challenges, I'm also talking about opportunities. I mean, those things create avenues for us to rethink the way we do business and reimagine the type of city we want to be. So, you know, the work that you're doing is so important, but it's also, it reaches into every aspect of life in Charlotte. And that's going to take more than the, the people that work in the government center, yes. right? And I think oftentimes when you live in a city, um, you, you offload responsibilities. Like, oh, well, that's the, education is the teacher's job. And planning is, is the city's job, right? And, and you don't get involved in it, on, sadly, in many cases, until it's going to impact your mm -hmm. direct backyard, yes, right? It, yep. I, oh, wait a minute. This is going to affect me. So to do what you want to do with 2040 and the unified code and all of that, what can the average Charlatan do to be of assistance to you? And that Ooh, doesn't necessarily good. mean 
you know, be in 100% agreement with you, but mm -hmm. what can they do to help you shape a good plan mm -hmm. and then implement that good First plan? First of all, we challenge ourselves in the department as we work on this. We say, number one, while the planning process may take place inside the building, the planning activities themselves need to take place outside the building. And it means engaging people. But we also say to ourselves that we have to be willing to listen to different opinions. Uh, because planners were so sometimes caught up in our regulations that we just saw in those words. Uh, but we also need to be able to go out and make sure that we put human face on all of those things. So as we go out into the community, we ask people, the places you love to go, the places you love to visit, why do you love to go there? Why are you in Charlotte? What are the things you would love to see? How would you like to see our city really grow? And how would you like to see our city manage its growth? So we're hearing a lot. And we, I want to encourage people to keep calling us, to keep going on our, our website, to keep following me on Twitter at Winners Path as well, because sometimes that's the, I try to get as much information out as possible. Um, just asking questions. Never be ashamed or afraid or shy to suggest ideas uh, that may sound maybe not so kosher or not so great, but we can always walk with it. Uh, and so it's really, that's the best way to engage people. Don't think like planners, just think like citizens who want to live in a place that's livable, sustainable, equitable. Don't think like us, just think like, plan as, like citizens. When you do that, it allows us an idea, to have an idea of what you're thinking and how life looks from your perspective. And then we can fold that into policies and all these other regulations. And if I'm correct, the phase you're moving into on 2040 right now is placemaking, right? That's, yes. what, that's what you're gathering mm -hmm. data, that's where we're gathering and, data and ideating on yes. right now. Yes. So right now we've developed four different scenarios. Should we grow business as usual? Should we focus on corridors? Should we focus around uh, strong centers? Or should we focus on neighborhood nodes? Those are the different places where life happens in the community. And so we want to make sure that when we eventually develop what that preferred scenario is, there is something in each one of those scenarios that we are looking at today that are positives. There's a positives in each one of those scenarios that we can build into a preferred scenario. So yes, we're creating those places that will be our future. But also when we talk about developing a 20-year plan, I also want to quickly say that it's a living document. It's not a static document, which means in five years' time or so, we take another look. What's the role of autonomous vehicles? We need to be catching up with trends. And so developing a 20-year plan doesn't mean the next time we do it is 20 years' time. It means we have to look at it again based on what trends we're seeing, gathering data and making sure that we have new perspective on this going forward. So, Ty, you've, you've recently been, you know, add, you've had added responsibilities yes. to be the assistant city manager. Yes. Is that a is that something that happens frequently? I've, I don't recall. I don't recall ever hearing a planner also being given the, the duties of assistant city manager. Is that something that, that goes on in other cities? Uh, well, I know that even here it's happened before. Uh, my permanent predecessor was the planning director, Deborah Campbell, who became assistant city manager. But then what happened was the city did not have a planning director for about three and a half years. What is a little different between my situation and hers was that all of this happened within like less than two years of me being at the city. Uh, and, and on one hand, I would say it's because the manager and city leadership saw value that, hey, you're doing this citywide plan. We want someone who will also be involved in citywide management uh, so that you're not just planning without the benefit of what leadership 
you know, uh, is supporting you. So I think to, to his credit, Manny Jones feels that this is a way we can actually get this plan to filter into other places where it will ordinarily not. It's not a typical thing in other cities. Um, because my role now as assistant city manager not only oversees planning, it also oversees transportation and public transit. And you definitely want all those three things to connect, land use, transportation, and transit. So why move on this part? Maybe crazy move on my part, but, <laughs> <laughs> but somewhere there there's a win-win. <laughs> well, <clears throat> these are big roles. I mean, yeah. you're assistant city manager. That's, yeah. a, that's a big role. It is. You're director of planning, design, and development. Yeah. That is a big role. You oversee a department with five divisions. Yes. That is a big role. But you're also a dad to seven daughters, <laughs> which I, knew that I was think coming. blows all the other roles out of the water, <laughs> Totally. <laughs> quite frankly. So look, I have one daughter. She's our one and only. Uh, she's seven years old. Tim has two daughters. They're both both teenagers. He's getting close. It's getting close. <laughs> so give us some advice, man. Okay. Give us some advice. You, you got a lot of experience to share. What, what can you, what fatherly advice to uh, dad to daughters can you bestow on me and Tim? So the first thing I'll say is get out of their business. <laughs> <laughs> Wise words. I'll, I'll let the mother handle it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, and the mom is sitting right here with us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let her handle it. And um, and they look up to me, and that's very important. So I have to constantly be that role model. Does it mean that I'm perfect? No, I'm not. And so my willingness to say sorry when I think I've done something wrong, I think it's uh, very important. But they also understand that no matter how busy I am at work, I make time. I make time for them. But they also understand that I make time for my wife. I mean, mm -hmm. that that's very important because I believe that when they see the healthy relationship between the two of us, it allows them to know that there's a sense of security around here, there's a sense of stability around here. And so that does a lot for their own security uh, as, as individuals. So we've got uh, four of them that are in colleges right now um, and one that's working uh, all the way in Phoenix. We have one in Kent. Uh, Ohio, we have one in New York, and then one here in Charlotte. We've got them all over the place. So inst constant communication, but also instant communication has been very, very helpful. So I carry two phones. I carry my work phone and my life phone, which is usually when I'm at yeah. work, my life phone is on top of my work phone. And even when I go out, because I truly believe that that's my priority. My first priority, my wife, of course, of course and then to the girls. So I'm sure you know all these things. I don't know if I want to. Don't be so sure. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if I have a minute to tell a story, but one time there was a situation here that made it to the news, and uh, my daughter uh, was visiting right about the same time, and she thought I didn't handle it very well. And so it's been able to listen to her own perspective sure. and say, Dad, you know, maybe this is what you should have done. Yeah. And so being willing to listen to them is also very important. Would you say that one of you, between you and your wife, one of you is the, the, uh, the, the family manager and the other one is the 
director of planning, design, and development of the family? I mean, is there a division of labor to keep the whole ship running smoothly? There is. She works at the bank, so she manages the money stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which also means she manages everything else. I mean, they tell me at home that it's a woman's world. I just live in it. That's my experience <laughs> as well. And I wouldn't have it any other way, quite me frankly. Me either. Um, Taiwo, what is a parting word of encouragement that you have for the city of Charlotte and for its citizenry? You know, every day we wake up, we're going to find something that we like, but we're also going to find something that we don't. That's typically what happens in a growing city. But my encouraging word for us is that whenever we find something that doesn't work, we try to think through ideas. We're a city that's built on collaboration, and we should continue that. Not every city does that. And so our leaders and our communities find ways to constantly walk around our challenges. So we always find something that we don't like or we don't agree with, and we will not always agree with everything. This comprehensive plan, we will not agree with the total outcome 100%. But I want us to constantly understand that even when we disagree, we continue to have dialogue, continue to talk, because there's always a solution in conversation. So uh, we will get there. We are a city that other people are looking at. And uh, when we were coming up here to do this podcast, one lady stopped me and said, I just moved from Atlanta. I love this. This is great. That's the type of thing that really motivate me that, you know what, for someone to feel that they belong here, it's a great thing. So I want to encourage all of us to know that we can leave our mark here, we can make our mark here, and this is a city that we all belong and that belongs to us. Thank you. Ty, thank you for, for, for that. I, I, w over the four years that we've been doing our work with Charlotte is Creative, what we've heard from so many people is this deep desire to belong, right? To, to feel a connection to the notion of what Charlotte is and to each other. And I don't know growing up here that that was always something that we felt. You know, Charlotte, for so many people, was a place you were passing through yes. on the way to, to another transfer or a place that you were going to live in as long as you had to in order to go someplace else. And and that's changing. And, uh, you know, our, we're, our desire is that people realize that once you get your hands dirty, once you start doing something, mm -hmm. Right, contributing to what you're doing. Yes, working with a nonprofit, starting a creative enterprise. Yes. that that makes you a charlatan. Not yes. how long you've lived here, yes, how much money exactly. you have, what title you have. Yep. And I think you are the you know, frankly, you're the right man, and the people that Thank are you. around you are the right people for that right now. Thank you. Um, you know, this people at the city. I've always known them to be hardworking, but not always over the years as open and vulnerable and and. Um, uh, I would say, accepting of other opinions. And you've created an environment that's perfect, I think, for the people now that want to move here and, and say, Charlotte's my home. Yes. I want to make it my home. Amen. So it was a great morning. Um, if you've listened to this, the entire video yeah. of, or the video of Ty's entire talk will be up um, on at Charlotte is Creative and also at the uh, Creative Mornings website. Uh, we have pictures we'll be sharing, and uh, this is just the beginning, Ty. You're not, you're not shaking us. We're 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 on your team now. We we, we want you're not getting rid of us. Yes. So thanks for everything you do, Thank and you. thanks for listening to the Biscuit Podcast. And we'll see you next month. Real simple question: What scares you in Charlotte? Getting uh, my car towed. <laughs> Traffic scares me in Charlotte. Yes, construction zone. Uh, I'm gonna say the growth. It's great, but it can be scary at the same time.
what scares me? Uh, growing too fast. Yeah, that scares me. Why is that? Um, all you hear is that every day, you know, 150 people are moving to the region. That's great. But how do you accommodate for all that growth? What scares you in Charlotte? Oh my gosh. Uh, it scares me that all of the older buildings are being taken down and being replaced by, you know, half-fast put-together construction. Um, I'm afraid that we won't have any history of Charlotte left once, once it's all said and done. But all the historic spaces are what gives the city character. And I mean, there are many things that give the city character, but it would be nice to see some of those, like, built around instead of torn down. And yeah. What scares me in Charlotte is possibly too much growth and not enough infrastructure to handle the growth. That's a good answer. I might, can I steal that? What scares me in Charlotte? Honestly, moving. I'm scared that my husband will have to move for his job, and I don't want to. Oh, you can move away? Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to move. That's, is, that, is that okay to say? You love Charlotte, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's honestly my biggest fear right now. I don't want us to get so caught up in thinking about the long term that we forget thinking about the short term because I think that's scary because that can cause a lot of problems. What's spooky? Yeah. Try on house. Why is that? Um, it is the oldest residential building in Charlotte and it was also uh, the site of a mass casualty fire. Yeah. No kidding. So is it Charlotte's like official haunted house then? I would definitely say so. What scares you about Charlotte? Gentrification. Ooh, took the words right out of my mouth. It's growing so rapidly. Oh, they're knocking down what is Charlotte to build an idea of something that's already there. What, what scares me about Charlotte is, I've just coined this phrase, vertical suburbs, when I am driving through a place that I love, like Plaza Midwood, and it's becoming lots and lots of condos that are being built straight up, and there's nothing to do. There's not little stores or places to hang out. And so I look at it like the suburbs, and I did, luckily grew up in a rural area, or I've, ever, I've lived in cities, never the suburbs, but it reminds me of that, where there's really nothing to do. So I hope that city planners can be intentional about making sure that places are built at a human scale so that we're not just building places to walk by to get to point A to point B, but it's places we can interact with somehow. Good listeners, this is your producer Andy Go on scene here in Uptown, Charlotte, North Carolina. We're here at uh, Tryon. Uh, I'm sorry, we're here on uh, Six and Tryon, yeah, here in Uptown, right outside Discovery Place, Future Carolina Theater, Dunhill, and the library, uh, middle of the Indian Festival, watching a drum performance right here in the middle of the intersection. and. It's absolutely packed. 
really, really packed right here in the middle of this particular intersection. Um, we've got a big old marching band, as you can, you know, just heard behind me in the background. It's a, a lot of people here. But um, the, the thing that stands out to me the most, and I'm probably a little biased on this one, but the thing that stands out to me the most here is the smells. I absolutely love Indian food because the smells and the tastes are just so bold and outrageous and that's what I love about it and that is exactly what I get here when I'm smelling the food around here. I've yet to get anything to eat. I, I you know, I, I ate not too long ago so we'll see how long I can hold out because I definitely want to try to get some food at some point. I don't know if I can resist but we'll check it out. Uh, here in Uptown Charlotte, North Carolina, um, Saturday, October 12th, uh, going to check out the Indian Festival which is what we're at right right now but also going to try and check out the Ola Festival which is also happening here in Uptown Charlotte so we're going to see if we can't check in on that as well so join me uh, with both of those here on the Biscuit CLT Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Okay. Okay. What uh, what restaurant are y'all? Uh, Nine Spices. And where are y'all located at? Uh, Valentine, Charlotte. Okay. Yeah. How long have y'all been in business? Uh, it's almost five years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Indian food's uh, so wonderful to me because it's so bold in its flavors. Yeah. And uh, I just love the smells that we're getting here. Yeah. You, yeah. Want to, you can try some. Oh yeah, I'll definitely have to. Why Indian? Why does Indian food stand out to you? I think that's the mainly the spices. That's what we use. Those are good for health. So, and good for taste, so that's what mainly makes it unique. All right, so Indian Festival, definitely on the uh, north side of Tryon. Pretty banging. But uh, now we're crossing over trade in Tryon, headed towards South Tryon. Gonna check out Ola Festival, see what's popping there. I can hear the music already. It sounds like a party. <laughs> it sounds like the jam. So we're going to head over here and see what's happening. Recién llegando de Japón, no quiero sushi por un mes. Mirad ahí, está colado. Así que un saludo para la gente de México, ¡Listo! ¡Órale! ¡Órale, güey! No, no, no diga eso, eso es malo, eso es malo. Así que vamos. Track south on Tryon Street through the Ola Festival. Just past the main stage, pretty fun show going on there. Definitely want a salsa, samba, bachata. Uh, but I have no partner. That doesn't mean I can't find one, I suppose, but. Have one right now, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm uh, walking by some of the food section now. Some of the food stalls here, which you know that that's eventually where I'll end up anytime there's an event like this. So we're gonna see what's what's going on with the eats. What are y'all cooking here today? Paella 
it's a Spanish dish, so everything that you cook in the pan is called paella. So now he's cooking meat and chicken paella. But we have done um, chicken, only chicken, seafood and chicken, uh, southern, that is inspiration, the flavors of South Carolina. So it's chicken, bacon, pork and sausage, is spicy. And, uh, but we cook everything, I mean, all the kind of paella you like. So yeah, in the span of about half a mile, I walked through an Indian cultural festival, which was packed. I walked through the Ola Charlotte Festival, which was packed. Uh, I ate a lot of great food, Indian food and uh, Mexican food or Hispanic food, uh, because of their bold flavors, their wonderful use of spices and, and the way they really bring out the most in not only meats, of course, but vegetables and, every, and, and, and everything else. So. Um, great culinary event here in the heart of Uptown Charlotte. Definitely something, uh, just another great thing about living here in the Queen City. Always something going on outdoors here, even as summer comes to a close. So thanks again, Biscuit listeners, for uh, tagging along with me on my trip through Uptown Charlotte on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Peace. Thanks again to Taiwo Jaioba our guests at Creative Mornings, and everyone at the Indian Festival and Ola Charlotte for speaking with us. And of course, thank you, the listener, for tuning in to the Biscuit Podcast. That's all the time we have for today's episode of the Biscuit. Remember to subscribe to the Biscuit Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review so that other creative charlatans can hear about us, or better yet, just tell them yourself. Finally, get the scoop on Charlotte's creative scene delivered straight to your inbox every week by subscribing to the Biscuit email newsletter. Do that now at BiscuitCLT.com. The Biscuit Podcast is produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings. <laughs>